Welcome into Words with Wallace. I'm your host, Nick Wallace, coming at you. It is Monday, October 30th. How is everybody doing, man? I hope you guys are enjoying the start of the NBA season as much as I am. Uh, it's been a blast, man. I think the number one, my biggest takeaway about the NBA as a whole is just that there's so many teams that I could not have cared less about last season that have immediately become, you know, way more watchable all of a sudden. Like, I genuinely want to watch, I would say, 95% of the teams in the league right now. I know that that number is going to decrease as I see some of these teams and uh, some of that novelty of these rosters and these players I haven't seen before wears off. Uh, but I'm in it right now, man. Like, you got teams like the Pistons. Like, suddenly they're fun. Like, they have Cade back. I've loved watching Jalen Dern, who we'll talk about more in a little bit. Um, Zion's back and healthy. Obviously, teams like the Spurs that now have Wemby are, are super watchable. I'm, I'm curious as to what's going on with the Rockets with their new additions and, uh, you know, the Thompson twin that they have there. So there's just so much to be excited about about the league. Um, so I'm super grateful to have basketball back. You know, I don't necessarily miss the frequency of the games. Like, it, it's great to have something to look forward to every night. But, like, even carving out time for this podcast, I'm, I'm missing a bunch of good games. Like, I know the Heat and the Bucks are playing right now. I want to say the Mavericks and the Grizzlies are playing. So I'll be pretty interested to see if they the Grizzlies start 0-4. So a lot of storylines to circle around. And that is why today is Overreaction Monday. So if you guys are not familiar and somehow live under the rock and under a rock and you do not watch the NFL, I know Overreaction Monday is a very popular bit, especially the first Monday of the NFL season. You know, teams and fans, for that matter, have just seen their teams play for the first time, and they have all these takes in their heads, and some teams look good, and some teams look bad, and, and you kind of have to decipher through what is an overreaction and what is not. So we are going to take that gimmick, and we are going to apply it to the NBA season. Again, it is, of course, the first Monday of the NBA season as I record this. So I have a couple takes that you know either I've seen floated around on social media or I'm sure just you know some talking heads out there have said it at some point, even if I haven't seen it firsthand. Uh, some crazy takes that you could probably make after watching uh, these NBA teams after three games of action. Um, and we're going to go through, take by take, go through, say it out loud, uh, and determine if it is an overreaction or not an overreaction. So we do have quite a bit to fly around to. And then after this overreaction Monday, we will go through some headlines, uh, kind of just talk about what's going on in the league as a whole um, and, and circle back on anything we might have missed. But let's not waste any time, man. Let's get into it. The first take I have for you guys on this fine overreaction Monday is that Denver is the best team in the league. It's not particularly close, and they should be the favorites all year long. Uh, basically, I'm going to say that this is not an overreaction. Uh, I've been obviously super impressed from what I've seen from Denver. Uh, not to say that they were not the they were not the only team that I was impressed with during the past couple days of binging NBA watching. Uh, but that being said, I feel like they definitely deserve some respect as the defending champs, right? It seems like they're obviously going to take the regular season seriously. Uh, didn't really foresee much of a championship hangover, uh, as I mentioned on my last episode. And that's kind of been the case so far. Uh, they started off the season with three really solid wins, obviously taking down the Lakers on opening night. Uh, they just cleaned up the Thunder yesterday. It wasn't even close, and I know the Thunder were looking pretty frisky before that, and they're currently sitting at 3-0. and Until further notice, I think Denver should be the top dog. Uh, I feel like anybody kind of picking any other team to come out of the West is probably zagging a little bit. They're probably just trying to you know, differentiate themselves from the bunch here. Uh, but I do think that Denver is far and away the favorite coming out of the West. And I just think with how good they've looked so far, the fact that they really didn't lose a ton from that championship roster, uh, I just think that they should be the favorites all year long. And I really won't have a problem with, with that. And that's coming from obviously a pretty biased Celtics fan here. So I uh, wanted to leave it at that for my first overreaction Monday take. Uh, moving on to number two, 
Uh, it's pretty early, but Damon Giannis can't play together. Uh, I'm going to say that that is definitely an overreaction, uh, and I'm going to say that they can't play together yet, right? It's not entirely wrong, uh, but if you guys have not followed the Bucks super closely, I know that they are currently, I think they're at halftime of uh, their game against the Heat tonight, again on Monday, October 30th, so obviously I'm not including this in my assessment of the Bucks so far. Uh, they had a really great win early on um, over the 76ers a couple nights ago where Dame completely took over, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. He was unstoppable. He had more than 30 points in his debut, I want to say. Uh, he looked incredible getting downhill. It didn't look like he lost a step at all. He looked healthy. Um, you know, it definitely was pretty clunky at times where, it, you know, Giannis didn't really have a huge effect on the game like he normally would, especially uh, for the opening night of their season. Uh, but that being said, they got humbled pretty quickly in a, in a win yesterday by the Atlanta Hawks, where they basically cleaned up the box. It wasn't all that competitive. Uh, Dame basically finished with six points. I know Giannis was obviously more involved in that one. But, you know, really what I'm evaluating when I said the take that they can't play together is that, you know, a lot of the action that the Bucks have run so far, um, it, it hasn't been a ton of, of Giannis and Dame together. Uh, it looks like Adrian Griffin has done his best, you know, start those guys, close the game with those guys. But that being said, most of their minutes in those middle quarters are going to be staggered where Dame is kind of running the second unit uh, because we know he can obviously run an offense himself, like what he's done in Portland for years. Uh, obviously want to give these guys some time, right? It has been pretty clunky so far. We haven't seen a ton of pick and rolls between those guys. Uh, haven't seen just a ton of action to get them both, you know, drawing attention away from the basket with Dame. Uh, and opening things up for Giannis at the rim. You know, there's been sparks here and there, but we do want to see those two kind of develop their chemistry as the season goes on. Uh, number three, this is one that has really surprised me, but uh, I'm going to say that Jalen Duran is already a top five center in the NBA. Uh, I know a lot of you guys aren't even are listening to this, probably don't even know who Jalen Duran is. He was the uh, first round pick of the Pistons last year, and he has been on fire to start the season. Uh, he's been averaging 18, 15, uh, four assists and three blocks on 80% shooting, albeit it was a three-game sample size, as it is with basically every other team here. So I am going to say that that is an overreaction to say Jalen Duran is already top five, uh, but it's damn close. Like, if he continues with these numbers, which he won't to that degree, right, he's not going to be that efficient. I highly doubt he stays around three blocks per game all year long as well. Uh, but I do think that the scoring and the rebounding, like 18 and 15, like that's not going to be far off from where he lands this season. He looks outstanding. And he, you know, honestly just didn't watch a ton of Detroit last year. I can't lie to you. They weren't a very exciting league past uh, team with Cade being shut down basically the entirety of last season. Uh, but now Cade is back in the mix. He looks fantastic as well. And actually had a lot of fun watching the Pistons the other day with their win over the Bulls. Um, he's just kind of leaped off the screen more so than really anybody else I've watched, especially, you know, in comparison to the expectations I had them before the season. You know, Detroit was kind of like a wasteland of big men. So obviously, outside of Duran, nobody thought he was a bust. Just, you know, he's pretty solid last season for them. But that being said, you know, you have guys like James Wiseman still floating around coming off the bench, guys like Marvin Bagley. Again, you know, a couple guys that were former top picks that were kind of like rehabilitation projects for the Pistons. So, you know, there was a small chance that like maybe one of those guys kind of gets like a second wind and breaks out a little bit and that cuts into Dern's minutes. Uh, that's already been squashed three games into the season. It, it You know, Jalen Dern obviously has the makings of a franchise center. Uh, and just and kind of putting this out there as a PSA, like watch the Pistons. I, I implore you, uh, while Kate is healthy, while Jalen Dern is healthy, they are Sneaky, really fun watch um, that I think you guys will enjoy. So he's not a top five center in the NBA, but if he plays like this, he's definitely going to be top 10, and he honestly could be knocking on the door of top five by season's end.
Uh, next take I have for you guys here is that Jimmy Butler is scared of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, you guys are probably asking a lot of questions. You guys probably remember uh, Jimmy after his stint with the Wolves in 2018 when he you know, dominated the Wolves starting lineup uh, in practice uh, with the bench unit. Uh, crushed them and then immediately ran out of practice to hop on an you know an interview with Rachel Nichols that was immediately put on ESPN uh, where they talked about how he you know everyone on the team was soft and that he didn't really feel like he fit in with that squad and then sure enough he got traded before the season started. Well, if you guys remember that story, you would probably expect like, hey, no, Jimmy's not scared of the Timberwolves. Well, believe it or not, he's actually missed his last four games against the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, including a game on Saturday, which was actually again the Heat's second game of the year. And Jimmy Butler missed the game in Minnesota due to rest. You guessed it. Uh, guys already resting their star player uh, just two games into the season. So I will have some thoughts on the player participation policy coming up. But I'm actually going to say that Jimmy Butler being scared of the Timberwolves is not an overreaction. I think it's hilarious. I know I follow some Wolves fans on Twitter that were really leaning into it and were really, really uh, I guess you could say disappointed to say that Jimmy didn't play in their game at Minnesota. I'm sure they wanted to pull up to the game and boo him. Uh, there were some where's Jimmy chance that, you know, Jimmy responded by blowing a kiss to the crowd. But I do think it's pretty soft from Jimmy Butler. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, you can't talk all that smack about a franchise and then miss four consecutive games against the same team. I know some of that's luck and, and maybe he had a real injury during that stretch, but we know he's been healthy the past two years when he missed all those matchups. He hasn't had any, you know, longstanding injuries that kept him out a few months that would give him a real excuse. So I do think there's a part of him that's like, hey, like I talked a lot of shit. Anthony Edwards is a dog. Like, you know, matchup might not go our way. The Wolves are a tough team to play, especially in the regular season. So I will go out and say that Jimmy Butler is probably a little bit scared of playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. Uh, moving on, this one hits close to home. Uh, I've seen this take floated around. I'm not going to say who, who said it. I did see it floating out there on Twitter. Uh, Celtics have the most talented starting five in the NBA since the Kevin Durant Warriors. Now, I'm sitting here as, as I say this, you know, the, the, my Celtics are absolutely destroying the Washington Wizards, uh, which is not the most impressive feat in the world. I think there's going to be a lot of long days for Wizards fans this season, uh, but they are going to be 3-0 after tonight. And I am going to say that this is, in fact, an overreaction, but I do think that they're in the conversation, man. I'm pretty high on Porzingis. I'm pretty high on what I've seen from the C's so far. I know I'm a biased fan talking here, uh, but it's been a lot of fun, man. I think that they, again, just... Again, the, the original statement was Celtics have the most talented starting five since the Kevin Durant Warriors. So that's obviously a sample size of the past few years here. But if you are looking at, you know, again, assuming everybody's healthy, you're looking at purely the individual talent on the roster. I think that this Celtics team is definitely in the conversation, especially with how well Porzingis played the first few games of the season here. Just on, I think that this is kind of a fun prompt. I think another team that would come to mind as ridiculous as it sounds is that uh, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden Nets. I think they were super talented. Obviously, they only played like 17 games together. So can you really put them in this conversation? I'm going to say yes, just for the sake of the argument. I think if you look at the talent uh, among those three guys, especially a couple years ago when they were healthier and, and you know performing a little bit better than what they are now, uh, I think that that's in the group. But it's definitely an overreaction to say the Celtics are that talented. But you know we will, we'll come back to that in a few months and see how accurate that take is. Moving on to our next take here, the player participation policy is a complete joke. I'm just going to say it right now. That is not an overreaction because it has been a really, really frustrating start uh, to the NBA season for avid fans like myself. Obviously, there's been, in general, I think it's been awesome to, to watch the start of the season. Um, like I talked about a little bit earlier, 
Uh, but that being said, there's been some frustrations as well, and that's really just due to the amount of games that star players have missed already. Again, we are three games into the season for the vast majority of the teams out there right now. And here's just a short list that I put together offhand of guys who have missed games. Uh, Joel Embiid was already rested a game. Uh, so literally no excuse. He was straight up rested. Same thing with Jimmy Butler, like we just talked about in that game against the Timberwolves. Uh, Devin Booker went from looking like the best player on the floor in that Warriors game on opening night to uh, missing the, the next following games. I know he has an, a real injury, I suppose, but still he looked pretty healthy just a couple nights before. Uh, Darius Garland, similar situation. Donovan Mitchell, similar situation. Kyrie is out tonight with a foot injury. Bradley Beal hasn't played his first game with the Suns yet. Uh, so it's not great. It's not great. I think the player participation policy, I said it when they released it a couple months ago, um, that I hated it. I feel like they missed the mark and kind of missed the point of like, hey, like, you know, people are going to these games, like they don't know who's playing and who's not. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, like both of those announcements that they were out due to rest came the morning of the game, didn't really give anybody time to plan. Uh, so it's a complete shit show and people are already taking advantage of it. And even if they aren't necessarily resting their stars and they don't want to violate the policy per se, um, they can just say, hey, like, you know, his hamstring's sore, his foot's sore. Like, you know, these coaches have it in their mind that like, hey, we want our guys healthy for when basketball matters the most between April and June. And, you know, if keeping them out in a couple, you know, 10 extra games during the season does that, then they're going to do that. And so um, I do think the policy is a complete joke and has totally missed the mark already. So, yeah, that was Overreaction Monday. Just a quick gimmick to get the show started with. I'm just going to run through the takes one more time. You can let me know what you think if you disagree. If you think any of these were overreactions and I said they weren't or vice versa, let me know. First take I had, Denver is the best team in the league and they should be the favorites all year long. I said that that is not an overreaction. Dame and Giannis can't play together. Uh, that is definitely an overreaction. Uh, they can't play together yet, but they're going to get there. Uh, Jalen Duren is already a top five center in the NBA. I said it's an overreaction, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, Jimmy Butler is scared of the Timberwolves. Not an overreaction. I actually kind of believe that one based on what I just talked about. Uh, Celtics have the most talented starting five since the KD Warriors. I uh, said that that's an overreaction, but we are going to you know, write that down. We're going to come back to that in a few months. And then finally, the player participation policy is a complete joke, which is definitely not an overreaction uh, with all the stars that have missed games in the season so far. So with that, we're just going to fly around the league. Obviously, I don't want to keep you guys too long tonight because I'm trying to get back on the couch to watch some of the remainder of these games uh, coming up. We have you know the Pelicans-Warriors games that I'm pretty excited about and a couple more that are going on now that I want to see the end for. Uh, but just some other things that jumped out at me. I did want to spend a little bit more time on my Celtics, right? Uh, we did have a really great opening night of the season with a, a pretty ugly win over the New York Knicks, but there was still a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, that was a game in which it felt like the Celtics probably should have lost at a point there in the third and fourth quarter when they kind of went into a slump. They started the game really strong. Uh, but overall, I'm, I'm really locked in on Holiday and Porzingis, our new toys, if you will. Uh, Porzingis has looked fantastic. Um, it's obviously a really great basketball situation for him. The dude is like smiling ear to ear as he goes up and down the court basically whenever the cameras find him because he has more space than he ever has in his career. Um, it's just a totally different situation than Washington, needless to say, right? Like he's basically said in every interview that he has, that he's just wide open and there's so much space in the court more so than he's used to. Uh, it's just really, really hard to close out on a guy that shoots the ball the way he does, who's standing at seven foot three. Like I said, like, you know, we had Al Horford last year who, and we obviously still have him, but Last year, especially when he was literally like the best three-point shooter in the entire league for like three months after the All-Star break, like 
the percentages actually back that up with Al. You know, closing out on Porzingis is so different because he needs so much less space to get the ball. As a defender, you need to be right next to him to have a, a chance at contesting his shot. And depending on your height, you're probably not contesting it either way. Whereas Al, you know, being about five inches shorter, it's a lot easier to get out there. So it's really exciting and it's crazy just what taking you know, one non-shooter in Rob Williams out of the rotation and off the floor. Like, it just seems like there's so much more space for the Celtics than ever before. Um, obviously, love what I see from Holiday as well. I know statistically he hasn't had that, you know, massive, massive game like Porzingis did scoring, you know, 30-plus in his, in his debut with the Celtics. But, you know, that's not really what we need from Drew Holiday. Um, you know, defensively, he looks fantastic. Um, him and Derek White are already making lives hell for the, you know, opposing team's guards. Uh, so I'm really excited about it, man. So far, so good for the Celtics. Moving on to the Warriors. Um, didn't have a crazy hot take for you on the Warriors to do in our Overreaction Monday segment. But that being said, I uh, wanted to talk about the Chris Paul effect, man. I was really dialed in for that game uh, against the Kings. I think the Warriors played that on Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Chris Paul looked awesome in that game. The Warriors looked awesome as a home. I don't know if it's just a thing where they just own the, the Kings moving forward now. I would doubt that to be true. They're, they're division rivals, right? They'll play three more times during the season. But, man, like, I, I know that he started a, a few of these games so far because Draymond was out to start the year. I believe he returned to the bench in that one. Uh, but, man, either way, he is the closest thing, and he's really the only thing that the Warriors have had as a backup point guard since the departure of Sean Livingston a couple years ago. And if you guys remember those early Dynasty Warriors runs, like, we know how important Sean Livingston was to those teams. And, and it's making difference. I think it's going to make a huge difference for giving Steph real rest during the season. And immediately, I know that that was a game where Kaminga and, and Moses Moody had it going a little bit too. But like, just kind of watching him play with those young guys, it makes Chris Paul look a little younger. He looked like he had a lot of juice. He was creating easy shots for them. Um, it was just awesome to see. And I think that, that again, that that's going to fly under the radar, that you're going from those really frustrating Jordan Poole minutes to plugging in Chris Paul there. Obviously, there's a lot of things that Poole does better, but this is going to be a massive upgrade for the Warriors, provided that Chris Paul stays healthy. That's obviously a huge knock on wood as well, uh, especially considering his injury luck and just the timing of those injuries. I don't know if there's anybody more unlucky in that space than Chris Paul, but so far, so good. I'm really high on Chris Paul. I know the fit next to Steph is awkward at times, but I am more looking forward to you know, looking through it from the lens of him being their backup point guard and kind of what he does for that second unit. And so far, he has checked those boxes. Uh, slow start for the Grizzlies. Um, it does look like they are going to fall to potentially 0-4, depending on the result of this Mavericks game. Right now, they are down at the time of recording this. Uh, I don't want to miss the Grizzlies' funeral. If, if there is a funeral happening, I need to be one of the first ones in attendance. Just want to make that super clear. Uh, but either way, it's, it's it, whether they win this game or not, it, it's still a really slow start. They were 0-3 before this. This would make them 0-4 if they lose this game to the Mavericks. Uh, but it is a tough spot for them. I'm not going to lie. Like, you're not just missing Ja. I know I even, that was the only thing I really made mention of in my last episode. Uh, but it's not just the, the loss of Ja that has me concerned about this team. It's also the loss of Steven Adams and the loss of Brennan Clark as well. Um, you know, Adams is already out for the entirety of the year. I know Clark suffered a, a season in uh, an Achilles injury that ended his season last year. And I'm pretty sure it was pretty late into the season. So I'm not sure if and when they're expecting Clark back. It might be you know, a, a season ender this year as well. We will see. Uh, and I know that they played Denver pretty close in, in one of these, these games to start the year, but that wash, that loss to Washington is absolutely horrible. Like Washington's a terrible team. I'll, I'll say that firsthand. I just got to watch them pretty closely. Um, it's gross. It, it's really bad. You, you should not be losing to that team. If you have hopes of making the playoffs, especially in the West, 
So that's just a terrible game to drop under any circumstance. So uh, just a bad start for the Grizzlies like I expected. I know Smart's been pretty solid for them. Uh, but it's just it's just going to be tough, man. They don't have the same depth they did, you know, in years past where they were able to survive these stretches without John. I, again, I'm just doubling down on the take that it, you don't want to find yourself, you know, in an uphill climb in this Western Conference, whether you have your star players or not. And then finally, just wanted to close things out with a little bit of Lakers talk here. Um, I haven't been too plugged into like sports media on TV and whatnot to hear what everyone's talking about, but I'm sure that there's some concern with them starting one and two. Um, which I totally understand, right? They obviously lost a close one of the Nuggets, lost another close one of the Kings last night. Uh, but that being said, it was a really tough stretch of, to, uh, of the schedule to start the season for the Lakers, obviously getting matched up with the Nuggets, Suns, and Kings, um, all within the span of a couple days here. Uh, and even the win against the Suns like wasn't all that impressive, considering the Suns were missing Booker and Beal. Uh, I know it came down to the wire and it was just cool to see LeBron and KD play against each other in a regular season game for the first time since like 2018 or something crazy like that. So I did enjoy watching it, but I just wasn't all that impressed with the team. I know that I talked about him as a my guy and all that stuff, but I really love Jared Vanderbilt, especially during the regular season for this team. Like you kind of saw it even in that game they won against the Suns. Like you had Christian Wood guarding Kevin Durant for large stretches of time. To Wood's credit, I thought he did decent, right? Like some of the shots that KD is going to make, He's just going to make them like literally regardless of the coverage. So I thought given the expectations of Christian Wood as a defender, he did all right. But like it's night and day compared to what you're going to get from Jared Vanderbilt. And I just think that, again, having that perimeter lock is so fun to have. Uh, they have a deep rotation, so it's not going to be every night that he's featured prominently. But there's going to be some games where somebody's cooking. You're going to be able to throw Vando on somebody regardless of what position they play. Uh, and I just like what he does from like a you know exciting play uh, standpoint of, of creating turnovers and, and kind of getting the, the rest of the team engaged as well. So I'm excited about that. One thing that I do think is worth noting is that I am a little worried about Rui Hachimura. Um, it does seem like his role is a little bit more diminished than, than we would all think, especially based on the contract that he received this off season and him, you know, playing the same position as Jared Vanderbilt is pretty concerning uh, because obviously, you know, in those matchups where Vander, Vanderbilt's back in the rotation, like, you know, he's going to be eating up some of Rui's minutes as well. So, that could look like a really bad contract in short order. Like I don't necessarily think it will because, you know, they signed him because he's six foot nine. He's, he's absolutely huge out there on the court, right? He's big bodied as well. Um, and he shoots the ball at a really good clip and he was hot when they needed him the most in the playoffs. So like the, the front office isn't going to forget that. So they felt like they needed to sign him back, but like, it just seems a little redundant, you know, having Tori and Prince as well, who's a really consistent outside shooter. They're clearly more comfortable going to, to Prince early on in the season with him being in that starting lineup. So uh, just something to keep an eye on, man, because Rui did get that pretty big contract from the Lakers. You wouldn't want to see him fall out of the rotation and then have the front office immediately regret it. But um, who knows? Depending on how things go for the Lakers, they are all in on this season. They understand that. I wouldn't be surprised to see them get active at the deadline. Maybe Rui's contract helps them in that regard to bring back some high-level talent if they do feel like they need to mix it up. But I'm uh, not really worried about the player, more so just his role on this team. Um, I do like the Lakers. I'm not worried overall about their one and two start, but I do just think that again, anybody picking them over Denver right now, I don't really know what you're seeing to get to that point. Um, I just think that Denver is just really polished and it's nearly impossible to bet against Jokic right now. So with that being said, guys, pretty quick episode for me today. There's just so much to talk about. Again, I wanted to have some fun with the overreaction Monday segment. If there are any crazy takes out there that you've seen people make unironically, definitely send them my way. Uh, always good to get a kick out of that and then weigh in if I actually think there's anything on, about these takes that are on base or if they're totally off the rails, a complete overreaction. Uh, but yeah, obviously small sample size for all these teams. I'm excited to continue to watch the ball, come back next week. 
Um, I will say I did want to talk about Wemby this episode, but honestly, just feel like I haven't been able to watch him closely enough to really give you my thoughts yet. Uh, but I'm definitely going to pencil in some Wemby talk for next week. So definitely come back to discuss that and hear that at length. Uh, but that just about does it for me, guys. I will talk to you next week. Be sure to follow at Words with Wallace on everything. Be sure to subscribe, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you're notified when a new episode drops at Words with Wallace on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, social media sites as well. And I will see you next week. Peace.